And I think in the church I grew up in, we used to clap as well during that one, but uh, one day maybe at Norwich Baptist Church. So what we're going to do now is turn to God's Word, if we may. And uh, we've already had uh, that chapter in uh, Luke chapter 2, the account of the Christmas story that is read to us. And I hope that we will be able to see some link between the following scriptures uh, that we will look at this morning. Um, There isn't any Sunday school as such, so I will occasionally try and uh, maintain interest with our young people, perhaps by asking a question. Uh, The bag of sweets are over there. If you get one right, then you're welcome to amble over and uh, to take one. So first of all, uh, can anyone tell me what is the name of the first book of the Bible? And and if the younger people could try and answer the questions here, I'd be great. I'm keeping an eye on Lisa here. Okay, okay. the younger people could try and answer the questions. I'd be grateful. Right, so younger people, what's the first book of the Bible called? Genesis, right. If you want to take a suite, you're very welcome to. Okay, so Genesis. I want to look up a verse in uh, Genesis chapter 48, first of all, uh, which is uh, verse 16. And then we're going to read a few verses from, uh, I think, um, uh, Exodus. I hope I made a note. Yes, Exodus 23. And I'm going to kind of come back to Genesis chapter 24, Uh, which is uh, the section of Scripture that we're really looking at today. So we start off with uh, Genesis 48 and verse 16. Um, It's very short, but I think you'll find the implications of this verse are are very, very far-reaching. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, let my name be named upon them, and the name of my fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So who is it is being spoken of here? The angel who has redeemed me. Who's the me in this section of Scripture? It is, uh, it's uh, not Joseph, no. It's Jacob. It's Jacob. You can't have a sweet Lisa. (laughs) It's Jacob. So uh, that's the theme that we set. So now if you can turn, uh, and and I I just read it again because it's very short. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Who's the angel that has redeemed me from all evil? Now you're all scared to... Sorry? The father himself, yes. Uh, The angel who has redeemed me from... Because... Can anyone else redeem you? No. That's right. So it's uh, important we understand that. Radio. So now we go to Exodus. Uh, Exodus uh, 20, oops, Exodus 23 and verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him. 
for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. Who's these verses talking about? So Pete said God, and I would uh, suggest that that's a theophany in, uh, in Exodus 48 of Jesus. But who's being spoken of here? Sorry, not in, in Genesis 48. Who's being spoken of here in Exodus 20? Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. Who's being spoken of here? Okay. Jesus. Who forgives sins? That's right. And what does it say here? Jesus forgives our sins. So now we come back to uh, chapter 49 of, uh, of Genesis. And we'll read some verses together. And then we will sing our next hymn, O Come, All Ye Faithful. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of all my, of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, you shall not excel. Now, that's a bit of a downer, really, after the beginning part of the verses, isn't it? And so we're going to look at that. Unstable as water, you shall not excel. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter into their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath for its cruelty it will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. The tempo's changed here. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is the lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Then we go to verse 13. Zebulun shall dwell by the sea, by the haven of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall ad uh, adjoin Sidon. And then we come down to verse 18. I have waited for your salvation, O Lord. And then we go to verse 24. It would be great to read the whole chapter, but time is, uh, is short, and I don't want us to be unduly uh, timed. Uh, so verse 24. But his bow remained in strength, and his arms of his hands were made strong by the hand of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, 
Verse 25, by the God of your father, who will help you? And by the Almighty, who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors. And then we come down to verse 28. And these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them. He blessed them each one according to his own blessings. And then he charged them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephraim, the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of of Canaan. We thank God for his word. Let's stand and we'll sing the uh, hymn, O Come, All Ye Faithful, and then we turn to the word.
Uh, I haven't got, uh, I can't see a clock, I haven't got a watch. Can anybody tell me what the time is? 11.30, okay. 11.33, okay, we've got some very precise people here this morning. So uh, is it okay that we take about half an hour uh, to try and go through this? But I suspect uh, we might run out of time. But I want to try, as I say, to do it in a, in a way which is joyful and encouraging for us. Because Genesis chapter 49 is perhaps not the chapter of the Bible that you would immediately associate with a Christmas Day Sunday morning message. A time when we meet together. Uh, we're all excited. Our children here have... Uh, uh, woken up perhaps early because there's that sense of excitement and we in our household we had breakfast together and uh, we opened some little gifts whilst we were able to uh, eat our breakfast and it was really rather lovely to be able to do that and we were able to pray together and, uh, and it was a joy to be able to do it. Now the chapter of course that we have before us here in, uh, in Genesis is the account of Jacob when he calls his sons together. He's nearing the end of his life. Uh, We're told that it's a long life. Uh, We're told that he lived 147 years. And we're told in chapter 48 and verse 1 that Jacob is not well. He knows the end is coming. He's lying in his bed uh, because he is weak. And as his son Joseph comes towards him, we're told that Jacob or Israel, which is the name that was given to Jacob by God, He strengthens himself, and you can begin to see the picture. He's lying on his bed, he's weak, his eyes are dim, and then he sees Joseph coming towards him, and that gives him strength, and he rallies for a moment, strengthens himself, he sits up in bed, and he talks first and foremost to his son Joseph. You see, Joseph had some important things that he needed to share with his sons before his life finally came to an end. Sometimes we find in our own lives that situations like this can come along. And my dad's final words were, I love the Lord. He has saved me. And you need to love him. Because he saves all those who call to him. For salvation. He had the breath to be able to do that, the strength to be able to do that. And that's what he needed to do because that was what was so imperative as far as he was concerned in talking to me. Now, up until 2022, I've never read the Bible through from cover to cover. And, I, and that's a terrible uh, admission, isn't it? And I've been here in the pa- as the pastor of this church since 2016. And I've never taken the time to go from the beginning to the end. And so, as you know, last year this time, we began to uh, encourage everybody. I want to ask for a show of hands to see who managed to make it. Um, But I tell you, it wasn't really for you that I was speaking last year. It was for me. And I knew that you would make me complete it. And in fact, at the end of September, I completed reading the Bible in in uh, those months up to September, nine months. And it's been the greatest joy and the, the most exciting thing. But as I look back, I was thinking to myself, but have I really understood what was being spoken, what was being said? Because it's fine just to read acres and acres, isn't it? But if it doesn't actually go in, it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't sink in, we haven't achieved very much. And so at the beginning of October, I said, Lord, I now want to start again and read 
your word in the next 12 months or less. But this time, Lord, please reveal to me the lessons for me, the things that I need to learn. And one of them that appeared right the way from the beginning as we started, as I started again at Genesis, was to see Jesus all the way through the Scriptures. And uh, the more you begin to look at it, you see right the way there from Genesis chapter 3, the reference uh, in Genesis 3, verse 15, to the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And there we have the beginning of God's plan and purpose for the redemption, the redeeming of mankind from sin that has come into the world. And the problem is, is that as I turn the pages, I keep coming across yet another vision, another understanding of meeting with Jesus. The word that is given theologically is theophanies, visions of Jesus. When you see and you hear and you recognize uh, that this is indeed the Lord Jesus that is coming. Because, of course, we know that Jesus was there at the beginning of creation. Jesus created the world. And when we read the beginning of John's Gospel, and when we read the beginning of uh, the epistle to John, we discover very clearly the words that are spoken, which speak of Jesus being the Word, being there at the beginning. Now, some translations of the Scriptures here talk about this section of Scripture and entitle it, I think the NIV does this quite clearly, as being Jacob blesses his sons. But the reality is that Jacob only uses the word bless with direct reference to his son Joseph. Who was Joseph? Can any of our young people tell us who Joseph was? What was special about Joseph that you can remember from the Scriptures? Zena. He was Jacob's favorite son, absolutely. So should fathers have favorite sons and daughters? Ooh, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Okay, absolutely. <laughs> Just watching Megan here. She's trying to win favor there. But <laughs> and uh, so if you want a sweet, you're very welcome to go and get one. That's right. And uh, can anybody tell me, what was it that Jacob did that was very special for his son Joseph? What did he give him as a gift? Does anybody know? Josephine. A coat with many, many colors. Absolutely. And it must have been something very, very special. And uh, we could imagine perhaps all the different colors of the rainbow and we could think what a lovely coat it was. But the reality is, is that Jacob only uses the word blessed with direct reference to his son Joseph in the scriptures here in chapter 49 that we have before us. So yes, it's already been pointed out that Joseph was Jacob's favorite. He was the one that Jacob had given that amazing coat. And can you remember what it was that his brothers did to that coat? Yes. They ripped it. What else did they do to it? Yes. They threw him in the well. But what did they do to the coat? Megan. They dipped it in blood. Why did they dip it in blood? That's right. It was all about lies. It was all about intrigue. They wanted their father to think he'd been attacked by a wild animal, and that's what had happened. Verses 25 and verse 26 tell us that all the blessings will be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separated from his brothers. And we know that he was separated because he was thrown in a pit, correct? Absolutely. And that, of course, was a horrible experience for him. And then finally, he sold in to slavery. 
But on the other occasions that Jacob used the word blessing, it was in a general way when he spoke to all his other sons. In fact, Jacob uh, states that his words were a blessing to his sons no less than three times in one verse, verse 28 alone, where he says, this is what the father spoke to them. And he blessed them. He blessed each one according to his own blessing. You cannot deny that there is a very much a prophetic sense in Jacob's words that are being used here with the great blessings that he speaks of, which he announces to all of his sons as he announced what the Lord would have in store for them in the future. Now, just as a point of uh, clarity, you'll notice that at the beginning of, uh, verse, of chapter 49, and Jacob called his sons, and said, gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. I don't believe this is a reference to the days before the return of Jesus. I believe this is simply a reference which is talking about the days that his sons are living in that, that uh, will come to them. It is a term used here simply to mean in the days to come. But it is also very important to say that Jacob's blessing was much more than just Jacob announcing to his sons what was going to happen to them in the future. For one thing, Jacob's words were a revelation of human character and conduct because there's some things that we discover here which are not really very nice for us to have to think about. But they are great lessons for us because the great lesson that we see very clearly in these few verses before us begin, before we begin to talk about the main verse that we want to look at is simply this. What we sow, we reap. What we sow, we reap. Or we reap what we sow. Because... In those first few verses, when he's speaking to Reuben and to Simeon and to Levi, it's not really a blessing that's being spoken of in that sense. Three of Jacob's sons learned that their past behavior, their past conduct, had cost them their future inheritance. Verses 3 to 7 explain the details. In verse 4, Reuben is described as unstable water. Now you think to yourself, I mean, you've probably read this many times, what's unstable water? Well, <laughs> if, you, if you live on an island like I did, and the sea is, you know, you're never more than about 50 miles from the ocean, and on occasions, we used to do this when the Atlantic gales were blowing in. And to see the sea with waves that were just huge crashing in onto the beaches, it's something you don't see unless you go to a place that sees the full force of the Atlantic Ocean. And to see the turmoil that there is in the waters and the instability that there is because the currents are all going in different directions at the same time. One of the most exciting things is when there was a, 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 a storm out at sea but the wind is blowing off of the land across. Now that's a really strange thing because as the waves crash over, the top is sliced off by the wind and you see the instability of the ocean that's taking place. And that's the picture that's being spoken of here. Reuben is described as unstable as water. Water speaks of turbulence and weakness all at the same time. Reuben's arrogant attitude and reckless way of life weren't fitting for the firstborn son. 
In itself, water is weak, but turbulent water can be destructive. Turbulent water can shape the land, can shape the coastline. It cuts valleys as rivers flow through it. It's difficult to find in Scripture any member of the tribe of Reuben who distinguished himself as a leader. What was Reuben's sin? That's a very tough question. Can anybody remember? I don't want you to go into too much detail. <laughs> okay. Can anybody remember or know what Reuben's sin was? Adultery or lust. Okay. There's a suite here at the front if you want one. Reuben's costly sin was lust. Genesis 35. But the point being is it affected his life, his inheritance. So friends, how we live is important. Now what about Simeon and Levi? Well, they were guilty of anger and violence. In their unrestrained massacre of the Shechemites in uh, Genesis 34, 24 to 31, Yes, it was right to avenge the rape of their sister, Dina. But it wasn't necessary to wipe out innocent people just to gratify their own desires for revenge. And you know, there are times when we can be full of revenge or a desire for revenge. And because God saw that it was dangerous to be in their assembly, notice those words that were recorded there, God arranged that the two tribes would not be able to assemble or to do anything together. The tribe of Simeon was eventually absorbed into the tribe of Judah, Joshua 19, and the tribe of Levi was given 48 cities or towns to live in, scattered throughout the land. So weakness was brought to them, chapter 21. Sin does indeed have consequences, and Jacob showed that here in Genesis 49. But something else was also true in these words spoken to his sons. Jacob gave all of them, all of his sons and all of their descendants, assurance that they would get through the time in Egypt. The terrible situation that would follow them there he also assures them that they will get through the time in the wilderness so there is assurance that is given here God never says that we will never suffer it's important for us to understand that we're coming up for a new year we don't know what this new year will hold some of us could see great suffering within it Sometimes Christians have this idea that because they're Christians, they're never going to suffer anything. Never going to suffer pain or discomfort or grief or loss or anything bad. And to be honest, it's not a surprise that many people have that view when you hear of some of the preaching that there is. Because people are told, you know, if you live in the right way for God, you do all the right things, then you'll be okay. But there are times when God brings suffering because he needs us to understand lessons. And it's how we deal with them that is so important. Prosperity preachers are not preaching the word of God. Jacob assured each tribe of a future place in the promised land. And that meant a great deal to them. It spoke of their future. 
And Jesus has assured us, Hebrews 13 verse 5, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And then the writer of the Hebrews goes on and quotes from the Psalms when he says, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? But friends, even these, talk of great blessing here, even these are spoken of more greatly when we look at what else is contained in Genesis 49 that brings great encouragement and joy to us. Now, some of you are saying, come on, Pastor, this is Christmas Day. We want to get back to hearing about the baby in the manger. We want to get back to hearing about Mary and Joseph and the donkey. We want to get back to hearing about tinsel and lots of food to eat and sweets and silly sweaters and tinsel and things like that, snow-covered Christmas cards and all the rest of it. That's what we want. No, actually, it's not what you want. Because here in Genesis 49, we hear an old man who says, we know the scriptures tell us he's weak, he's sick, he's dying. But he finds the strength to speak one last time to his children. And here in Genesis 49, Jacob looks up at his sons and he says in his last will and testimony, he reveals a beautiful revelation of the gracious Lord Jesus who has cared for him, and redeemed him, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, a wonderful theophany of Jesus. Could any other angel or being except Jesus redeem Jacob? No, of course not. Only Jesus could redeem him. A redeemer who had kept Jacob through, not necessarily from all trouble, but certainly through all trouble, for so many years. Now that is who we need to hear about this morning. And that is who we need to see in our lives. Jacob is giving a revelation of the Messiah. He who had been promised to Jacob's people. And here in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob introduces us to Shiloh in verse 10. It says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Notice the word scepter, very important. Until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Now the phrase, the verse that we have here, could be translated like this. Until he comes, whose right it is to rule. The word Shiloh means whose it is. That's the Hebrew understanding of the word. And whose right is it to rule? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is his right. Now, ancient rabbinical um, scholars had no problem in understanding that the name Shiloh here given is a name given to the promised Messiah. They had no, uh, no problem in understanding this. Who alone had the right to claim rule over God's people Israel? You see, friends, this morning, Jacob is going well beyond Judah's time. 
And he is speaking of the blessings of the kingdom age when the Messiah shall rule and reign over Israel. So in this sense, dear old Jacob, with his last breath, brings us all the way back to the manger. The manger in Bethlehem. If you like, it is as if he peers over the edge of the manger and he sees Jesus. Jacob goes on, and in verse 18, he talks of salvation. And the word used in the Hebrew, Strong's Concordance 3, 4, 6, 7, just in case you wanted to make a note of that. Yeshua. Does that ring some bells? Yeshua is the common alternative form of the name Yehoshua. The word salvation here. Yehoshua. The name corresponds to the Greek spelling of Lazos, from which through the Latin comes the English spelling Jesus. Friends, I hate to say this, but there's just a possibility that Jacob knew more about Christmas than some of us here. The words are very, very significant. And Jacob lived in Genesis 49, and we live after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the rest of the New Testament. And so, you wanted me to come back to the manger, and here we are. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. But there's even more that we find contained here. Jacob talked in verse 24 of shepherds, and he talked of rocks. Friends, who is Jesus? Is he not the great shepherd of the sheep? Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ in whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then we can turn to Corinthians 1 Corinthians 10. Paul suddenly starts talking about a rock. And he says this, Listen and marvel at the context. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Can you imagine it as the people of Israel are walking through the wilderness? The guys at the back of the line look back and there's this rock following them. It's not quite what it means, but there is a sense in which it could mean that. Because Christ was with them. That rock was Christ. And Jacob says in verse 24, there is the stone of Israel. Is it possible that there could be any more? Yes. Verse 25. By the God of your fathers who will help you and by the Almighty who will bless you with the blessings from heaven above. And all that Jacob has to say, speaking of the coming Messiah, the coming Savior into the world. Jesus was expected at the very beginning of Genesis. 
Here he is spoken by an old man who is just about to draw his last breath. And as he does, all he can think about and talk about is the hope to come. And just to make sure that we don't miss the significance of all of this, Jacob talks about it in the context of the tribe of Judah. Can anybody tell me why that is so important? Anybody know? Jesus came from Judah. Absolutely. From the tribe of Judah. Verse 8, Judah. You are he whom your brothers shall praise. Judah is a lion's cub. Judah lies down with a lion. Revelation 5.5, 5, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to lose its seals. At the back on the church wall over there, there is a picture of a lion. As you go out, look at it. Who is the lion of Judah? It is him. It's the babe in the manger. The Lord, the Savior. It is Joshua, our salvation. Here the imagery of the lion reflects the powerful, majestic, and kingly nature of the lion. Often regarded as the king of beasts. And here in Genesis 49, it is applied to the tribe of Judah. And this is significant because it heralds the lineage of Judah as that of kings. For out of Judah's line, King David and his descendants would rule over Israel until the time of the Babylonian captivity. Uh, 1 Chronicles 2, 2 Kings 24. And generations later, Jesus would come as a descendant of David and Judah to forge a new covenant and usher in a new kingdom of heavenly glory. Matthew 1 Verses 1 to 17 explain the genealogy. When Jacob says that the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, he was also proclaiming the eventual eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ, who will be forever king, the scepter being a symbol of his kingly authority and lordship. So when you look at the baby in the manger... You should really be thinking of the lion who came to save you from your sin. Yes, he died as the sacrificial lamb. And of course, as we go back to these uh, sections of Scripture and there in Exodus, we discover the Passover meal that is being celebrated. He died as the sacrificial lamb on the cross. But when you repent of your sin and call to him for salvation, he will hear you and will meet you and will save you. In fact, he moves into our hearts and he dwells within us. He lives inside us. Friends, look past the stable. Look past the shepherds and the angels and see Jesus who came specifically to save you. Jesus is king. Jacob seemed to know everything that was going on. And I hope and pray in our hearts and lives.